Good afternoon. Welcome to the Sky Pilot Podcast. My name is Keith Anderson. Today I'll be speaking with Unitarian Minister Bob Janice Dillon about his hopes and fears and the way worship may change during the coronavirus outbreak. If you'd like to get involved with the show, please drop us an email, head over to my website, skypilot.info, or alternatively, there is an audio note function on the Anchor app. I hope you enjoy the show. Stay safe. God bless. So first of all, I'd like to welcome to the show Bob Janice Dillon. Good morning, Bob. Welcome to you. Good morning, Keith. Glad to be with you. How are you this morning, sir? Oh, I'm... Uh... Oh, that's a... That's... <laughs> A big question these days. I think I'm all right. I'm, 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 yeah. uh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling grateful for what's going on. Life's uh, been a bit of a, a whirlwind the last few days, but I think that's true for a lot of us. But uh, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all right. Yeah, well, how are you? Well, I'm great. It's great to have you with us. Um, it's great to have this technology and be able to bring some of the word to to anyone who wants to listen to us. Um, Absolutely. Although I do fear. That this first episode we may be low on numbers, but hey ho, let's let's crack on with that. Um, it'd be great if uh, you could tell me a little bit about yourself, Bob. What what's your background? Where where are you coming at us from today? Um, what's what's your religious view? What tell us give us a little bit of background information so that people can get to know you. Absolutely sure. So I am uh, a, a Unitarian minister serving three congregations in Wigan, Warrington, and Chester. And uh, to give a little bit of my religious story, I grew up in a Unitarian Universalist, uh, going to Unitarian Universalist congregation. And I always liked church. I didn't think I'd be a minister. Um, it wasn't something I imagined when I was a, when I was a kid. But I did like um, stained glass window of, of Jesus at the front. But uh, being Unitarian Universalist, we learned about other religions as well. But uh, we, you know, we, we came out of, we did say the Lord's Prayer and we came out of a, a Christian tradition while also embracing other traditions. And I quite liked that. And we got my first Bible in the fifth grade as a, as a, as a, as a present and sort of have been, have been interested in the Bible ever since, really. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that uh, in, about high, uh, in about college, I went off to Birmingham in England. I'm, I'm sort of a, uh, my mother's English, so I have some, some English background, even though you may not hear it, my voice. Um, and I went to Birmingham and I studied philosophy and English literature. I was just basically trying to figure out what the world was all about. I'm not saying that I studied yeah. very well or I was a great student. Um, <laughs> I wasn't, but um, I did enjoy philosophy. And then from there, I kind of kind of drifted from Unitarian Universalism, thinking that I needed to figure out what else was out in the world. And I um, uh, attended an evangelical Christian congregation in Massachusetts for a little while. I, I, uh, it was a Buddhist uh, Sangha that I sort of was a little bit involved with. Um, so I sort of found out about a, a number of religions, not very deeply, to, to be honest, but um, I, I certainly um, uh, enjoyed those experiences, got a lot out of them, I think, so even uh, for the time. Yeah. You'd always describe yourself then as a man who, who grew up with faith and kept your faith, because that's, that's really lucky. Um, a lot of people think, well, I've always been an atheist, I was raised an atheist, and I think of people like you who raised religion, I think, thank God you didn't have to you know, be addicted to drugs before you found Jesus or, you know, go through all those hardships that sometimes make you like myself. I'm really grateful for finding my faith at a late stage in life, but it's only through being driven through those hardships that really got me to where I was with Jesus and with God. And and you've obviously been, been raised. I'm not saying you've had an easier life, but you've been raised with that around you. It must have been very comforting for you in your younger years. I think it was a privilege and it was a blessing. I'm, I, I would say that I, I, it's, 
had lots of twists and turns, even though most of the time I've been more or less sort of Unitarian. You know, I had a yeah. lot of, you know, there are a lot of times when I've wondered, you know, does God exist? And is there a plan for the universe? And I've been through a lot of, you know, my own doubts. And sometimes they've seemed really academic and sometimes they seem really close to home, you know, really life or death and, and close to the bone. Yeah. So I've, I've had the same journey, even though I've been in the same sort of religious house. Um, and I, but I feel lucky that I've had that sort of religious house to yeah. have that journey and to have those questions. Um, it's, and, it's yeah. interesting. You say Unitarian. I, I believe like a lot of my circle of Christians, I'd, I'd still, although I do have a lot to do with the Unitarian Church, I'd still consider myself a born again Christian. Um, if you could just explain maybe a few of those little differences to some of the people out there that might not know what the main difference is between a Unitarian Universalist sort of view on the world and sort of a, a, a mainstream Orthodox Christian's view on the world. Where, where do those two sort of get along and what, what are the main differences where people might go that that theology is quite different? What, what do you think those things might be? Yeah, so I won't get too into the history because the Unitarian history and the Unitarian Universalist history in the US is, is different than the UK setting. So uh, it's, it's, but it's worth saying that both, both of those traditions come out of the Christian setting and come out of the, I would say, the theologically liberal Christian, Christian setting. And so people uh, have, in our tradition, sort of, first of all, broke with orthodoxy, say it's about, uh, more, more about personal belief and congregational belief than in somebody saying what it's about from on high, you know, a hierarchical <laughs> authority. Um, and, and from that, we've sort of gotten the belief that uh, God has given us uh, all of the things that we have, we've given us reason, has given us um, our emotions, has given us. So all of that we are we are called to use. We're not called to, to you know, and I think a lot of, uh, you know, evangel my evangelical sisters and brothers might agree with that. We're not supposed to turn off our brains when we walk through the door of the, of the church that we have these, you know, to, to use all of it. Because we have such we have such an emphasis on freedom, we tend to have a lot of freedom within our congregations as well. So we have. Yeah people who may be uh, live a very Christ-centered life. We may have people who are a much more um, uh, humanist outlook and, and really say, oh, well, I don't know what I think about God, but really it's, for me, it's about, you know, life here and the here and now and, and our relationships together as people. And we somehow get along. So we have this really unique setting of, of, of that and it not yeah. being creedal. It's not about, we don't all believe the same thing in our congregations, but it's what a covenantal. So the covenant is an idea that we gather together in love in the sight of the holy, which we may define in different ways and we may define God in different ways, yeah. but that connection is all all important so that's basically i think it. that yeah we get caught I up in the, the unitarian movie... side sorry i was just gonna say you know i think a lot of no. every, every week which we don't really you know it's 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 not really that at all it's more about the belief than about any any particular view of the of the trinity and I think in, in at this moment in time, I mean, we'd be silly if we weren't to mention the coronavirus that's going on around us is just chaos. Yeah. You know, that that disease doesn't care who it goes after, whether you're whether you're black, you're white, you're you're Chinese, it doesn't care. And neither should we. Jesus calls us to love our neighbors, you know, and that's what we should do, whether the whether the Catholic, whether the human, whoever they are, this more and I hope that somehow through this, that that unity is something that's really driven from this this virus this horrible thing you know the bible says all things work for good yeah. and without going too far down that i don't want to bible bash anybody who's listening to this podcast and i don't want to this isn't about converting people this is about giving people a platform so they can explore their own their own thoughts and their own feelings and hopefully learn a little bit about 
their faith and their selves. Much like you said, you know, whether you're a humanist, whoever you are listening to this, we want you to be able to explore those thoughts and feelings. But I really do pray that somehow through this, we can gather that unity together because I think it is so important. We're all one I, one species. That's really well said, Keith. I, I think this is reminding us of it and we're seeing that we're, we're all in this together. And I do, you know, as, as you know, I've been, been reading uh, the, the Gospel of Mark a lot this year and I've been giving it a close study. And, you know, Jesus does just, you know, he doesn't do a lot of talking about who he is in the Gospel of Mark. I know he does more in the Gospel of John, but he's really about being there with the people and, and, he, and healing the people and bringing this not just physical healing, but also the emotional and spiritual, spiritual healing. And I think that's what, you know, we should be about is, 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 is about the, 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 uh, the amazing potential of spirit, the amazing potential of God to, to change us all. And I, for me, I've always found, and I, I, I can be as dogmatic as the next person. I get caught in my own ways, but I think when we let go yeah. of some of that stuff that we tend to, and we're just open to the spirit of God. And when we really notice what's happening in this moment, um, that's yeah. when we're really able to, to connect with, with what's going on and what, what God is doing in our time. Um, and I do think, you know, there's, there's something amazing happening now as, as horrible as it is. And I don't want to deny that it's, it's terrible for so many families. My heart goes out to families yeah. in Iran and Italy and, and, and China and here. But, yeah. um, but also, um, may this be an opportunity to bring us together, you know. And um, so I, I, I hope that it might. And that's, that's my prayer. And I, I certainly see, you know, God's yeah. hand at work in, 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 in amazing ways as well as mysterious ones. I often describe it, Bob, when I'm preaching, I describe it as the hurricane of life and what no preacher can do, what I can't do, what you can't do, what nobody can do is take away that hurricane of life. But what we can give you is that the eye of the storm is hopefully the peace and the joy that comes with with having faith in whichever whichever road you find that, whether you find that through the Unitarian path or a Buddhist path is is that peace and, and knowing that somehow you can get through this somehow. Even though the, the like you say that storm is everywhere, that you can you can work your way through it all, and I think it it is so important to keep hold of that faith in harder times. Um, I know, yeah, you yeah. Know, it's just difficult. It's so so difficult to see that when you're in the midst of it, and that's why you see the the supermarket oh, shelves are empty at the minute because people are they're caught up in the moment. And I yeah. I do I pray the same as you that people will be given that that joy and peace that that is spoke so often of in, in so many faiths, not, not only the Bible, but in, like you said before about Buddhist faith, Buddhist faith is very, well, the Bible says, you know, hundreds of times it says, do not fear, but that's, that's, I know that's a lot easier said yeah. than, you know, but that's the message is about that calm and that calm. And, but it's, it's, it is a hard one. I mean, you do have to get through Lent to get to Easter. Just, I'm just using the Christian framework here and I know there yeah. are other ways of looking at it, but, um, you, you know, I was just at, I, I mentioned to you a little earlier, Keith, I was just at the, the bedside of someone who's, who's really dear to me and is, is dying. And um, there was always that sense of helplessness, you know, and I think yeah. Lent, that whole thing is about that sense of helplessness. We're all feeling it now, right? We're, we're doing a million things and doing what we can do everything. We can't solve this problem on our own. Um, that doesn't mean we don't do anything. We can all be helpful and we, you know, not spread coronavirus. And, and But I think yeah. it, Ultimately, on a spiritual level, it's coming to, to grips with that sense of helplessness, which which Jesus also modeled that, you know, at the, at the, at the end of his life, you know, gave himself to be 
crucified. Yeah. So it's, 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 but also not letting that helplessness be the final word. You know, there is something beyond that. There is redemption and, and, and love beyond that. Just as beyond this um, coronavirus, which is, is going to be with us uh, sadly for, for quite a long yeah. time, but there is something beyond that, you know, and there is, yeah. there is a love that's, that's much, much larger than that um, with us every step of the way. So just, being aware of that while also being aware of our own helplessness at times and how, how we all feel that fear. And it's, it's important to remember as well, while we're in this social distancing, distancing phase, that somehow we are all connected stronger than we ever thought we could. Now we're all looking at charts of hand washing and we realize the implications of each other on each other's lives. And I hope that's something that beyond coronavirus sticks with us because one kind action that can start off our whole domino effect of love and compassion and caring. Coronavirus is contagious, but I'll tell you what's even more contagious, Bob. Hope Absolutely. We, yeah, so well I, said. Yeah, I was just at, just at the hospital. And I, I, I have taken a shower. I just want everybody to know. <laughs> uh, but on the way back, the porter, you know, who's working there, who's, who's bless him, God bless him, he's, you know, doing do, doing it day after day at, at the hospital. He just saw, he saw me in my car and he said, you know, how are you doing? And uh, it, it really, you know, those moments, Keith, that just, it just touched my heart right there. And I thought, here's, here's this guy who's got enough on his mind to yeah. worry about. And he's asking about me. And we, we spoke about our, you know, he was at a different congregation. We spoke about our congregations and how we're going to try and connect together in new ways. And yeah. I just thought that just little spark that he decided to, you know, to initiate in the world. And, and who knows where that goes. And now it's my responsibility to try and spread that hope onto the world. And yeah. it's so contagious in a good way. You know, this is the history of Christianity as well, that, uh, that, uh, and Buddhism for that matter, yeah. that something that's, that's wonderful yeah. wisdom and love and healing and God's mercy are contagious, um, and, and can, can spread to an incredible amount. Um, and we don't know exactly when and how we don't know the practicalities all the time, but we, we know we can be, uh, if, if I can, if, if I can say carriers of that, we can, we can help to spread the good things in life. We can, yeah. we can. We can, and that's so important. As we as we make our way through this, like so let's hope that instead of carrying just coronavirus, we can bring that joy, that spark to other people's lives. We've got so much time on our hands at the minute to to explore ourselves. You know, families up and down the country are doing things and spending time together, eating meals together, spending more quality time than they have ever have ever done. And I think that's a great blessing in itself. Pollution around the planet is falling to its lowest level for years. Like, although there's negative, and that happens in life, you come across these big stumbling blocks. I've been through many, I'm sure you have. You come across these things and sort of five years down the line, you think, well, I wouldn't be, there, I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for the yeah. things that went before me. I, and this could be one of those things where in five years' time, nobody wanted coronavirus to happen. And I'm not saying it's a good thing, but there may well be grace and mercy and goodness to come from this. And I pray Absolutely. that that is the case. Yeah, I think I think there are things we, we can learn as, as, as unpredictable as this was and as, as how terrible it is for, 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 for many families. Um, at the very least, it shows us that we can we can live in a different way. And there are some ways... Though this was forced yeah. upon us, and maybe we don't like all the ways that we're living a different way, it's it's. It, it, I think we all agree um, there are ways that society could stand to change um, as it was, and you know this is giving us the showing us, hey, you know we can we can do this together, um, and do, as you say, many different faiths, many different countries, people of many different understandings, and we're doing something together for the good of all. And what a great model that is! And if we can do it now, there's no reason we can't yeah. do it again with when it comes 
to the environment or or how we are together as people or or, or civil rights or just just being being as good to each other as we can be and being as good to our planet and and one another as we can be um so there's 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 great hope um i don't want i don't want to say hope and i know we have still have to go through this this season of lent you know this this hard time but let's let's hold on to the hope as well yeah the same happens every year. You know, Ramadan is a really good example of this, is that every every year the Muslim community yeah. goes through this time of fasting and it brings them stronger together because they go through this suffering together. There's nothing... I used to live in Oldham, which is a very, very Muslim-populated area, and the, the sense of community there at the end of fasting, I remember one summer's night, and it must have been absolutely scorching, 10 o'clock, but these people are happy. Yeah. They've suffered together and they're happy. Now, I'm not saying... That this, this, this is a good thing, not not at all. It's a terrible, terrible thing, and we're going to lose a lot of people in this. But somehow, suffering yeah, together really yeah. brings a sense of unity and a sense of unity. And I, I just, I do pray that this, and it, it is, it's already happening. You can see it up and down. We wouldn't be having this conversation today, Bob, if it wasn't for a need of, of sharing the world, a need for fellowship. So somehow, this can be a catalyst for good. And that's what I can see over and over again as i look through social media the videos in italy of people singing on the verandas you know somehow it, that's well the, I, that's just the great life fasting is, is is one of those things that just uh it, it, it reminds us of what's really important you know that's one of the, the big ideas about fasting is it's just that yeah. we we remember what it's really about and we don't get caught into, into all these distractions because you know we remember how good food is for one thing but also how good one another is and we turn to god and then all of these and uh, it's a wonderful image because I, I remember walking down the uh, – I often go on the, the uh, Oxford Road in Manchester. And just a, a couple of times I've been walking just when it's the breaking of the fast. And there's just this wonderful peace because families are coming mm -hmm. together just as – and there's just such a sense. And even though I wasn't participating, I was actually just on my way to, to get a train. You know, there was this incredible sense um, both that everyone had been through it together in these families – and the sense of peace of, yeah. of ultimate, and and that's what I I pray for us as 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 a world, you know, that will be on the other side of this, or or hopefully, and uh, and just kind of have that have that sense of you know we now we've really focused on what's important, and we've been through this thing together, and it hasn't been easy, but you know what we the togetherness has has been has been there as well. Yeah. So we're going to move on. It's not a coronavirus show. It wasn't what I wanted to do. And I think we've given it enough attention. Um, but let's move on a little bit. I've wanted to speak about, about you a little bit, Bob, because I know there are going to be a lot of people. I'm going to post this on the UK Unitarians page and all the different places. There are going to be a lot of people who want to hear about you because you're a pretty interesting guy. If you say and so. You touched straightforward on your, your yeah. faith in your younger years. I think you are, mate. You know, you've had a you've had a great influence over me. You've done you've shown oh. me some fantastic things, and it's been a pleasure to be to be mentored oh, by you've you. Taught and, me every and bit that's as much. Genuine, well, and everyone you. who know. Uh, look at this! So look at us. Know. Soon. We should, we say, should look my children on because guys. I'm sure they'll they'll, they'll they'll tell you how boring I really am. But uh... <laughs> oh well. On that note as well, if anybody does hear a cup of coffee being made or a child fighting over a toilet roll, it's probably real because we are in a time of social isolation. I am as well, yeah. The door closed, but they may, they may come in. I doubt they'll be making a cup of coffee because no one's going to do anything nice for me. But uh, no, I'm kidding. They, 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 I told them not to disturb me, so I'm, I'm, sure that, I'm sure they would if I asked. Yeah. But it's funny, isn't it, how these things happen? Here we are in bedrooms talking. It's like We surreal, never thought yeah. this is 
yeah. months ago. But again, it's how the, how the goodness works. So what what drove so you you grew up in a unitarian right. universalist setting. Um what what drove you to keep you because I know a lot of people who've grew, grown up with religion and I find they're the the hardest people to touch. They're kind of inoculated. Like they talk about coronavirus vaccine. You give you, you give you a little bit of the coronavirus and then you can't catch the real thing. I find they're the hardest people to reach for the gospel because they've had a little bit of the, the, the truth. They've had a little bit of religion. They know the words, they know the terminology, they know the celebrations. And when you try and give them the full thing, they can't catch it. They can't get sick. They can't get excited for religion anymore because they know That's what a good it's way about. to put it. Yeah, yeah. and I would say a lot of, so you know, we've always had the challenge within, within Unitarianism, which isn't true just, just for us, but of holding on to people who have grown up Unitarian. And a lot of people will say, oh, I enjoyed it, you know, but not, mm. not be involved when they're, they're older. Um, I'd say for me, you know, I, I did drift away and I, I said about all those other religions, but I also just stayed in on Sunday, you know, and slept in. Um, and what drew me back I, for me yeah. was I was always interested in what the universe is all about. Now, I, I don't pretend to have all the answers. I, I like to think I've learned a thing or two along the way, but I've learned as many questions, many more questions than answers probably. But I've always liked the questions. I'm always like wondering about what the universe is all about. So I sort of did my pondering. And at first I thought I could ponder alone. Um, but I'm not that good enough of a thinker. And eventually what happened is I got drew, drawn back to community. And I don't mean, I mean, intellectual community, sure, but as much as that, just just being with others. And I know at this time of coronavirus, we're feeling it um, poignantly, but but how mm. powerful it is to be to be with others. And so I got a chance to do a, a job as membership coordinator at, at the church where I grew up. And that's what, you know, just being with these people and partly people saying, oh yeah, I remember you. And people that held on to, their memory of me, you know, and everybody else in the congregation for all these years. And they had sort of kept a place for me, if you know what I mean. Like they hadn't literally kept a seat for me, but we, we had enough seats. But they had remembered that I, who I was and they, they did that for everyone. And there was this sense of, gave me such a powerful sense of the continuity of community. So for me, that community drew me back as much as, as well as the, the, the trying to figure out what, what life was all about. Um, and that gave me a place to really explore explore my faith, um, both as a as a as a human being and as a minister. Um, so yeah, I think that that's been that's been a, a, an incredible gift to me. And I tell the the congregations I serve, they've made me the person I am, and that's absolutely true. I can't imagine who I'd be without the congregations in my yeah. life. Um, it's been it's been amazing. It's, as you move into the 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 holy, like I've. I mean, you know, you've you've watched me grow as a as a person of God, like as a disciple of the yeah. kingdom. I call myself sometimes. No, I think no, that we're might be a bit yeah, arrogant, yeah, but I do yeah, feel that you kind of, you're trying to bring that holiness to someone. You know, that's why we we sing hymns and we we're trying to bring that holiness. I found that I tend to I moved so close to the church and then moved away. I heard a story, and it was a story of Billy Graham's. I love Billy Graham; he's one of my biggest influences. Um, and he was talking about a Vietnam war veteran who was flying his plane and he got shot down by a, a sam missile and he's sat in his plane and he's flying back and he goes god if you get me out of this i promise i'll look into you and this missile hits him and his plane's rocking everywhere and he goes if you get me out of this i swear i'll look into you and at that moment he said his plane steadied out and he said subconsciously he felt like oh, well, that was nothing to do with God. And then the flames started falling apart again and falling out of the sky. And then he started praying and it leveled out. He said they picked him up a mile off the coast 
of Vietnam, like the, the army got him. And that night when he got back to the camp, he gave his life to Jesus. And I think that happens with us in faith. Like I know me personally, because I was like I say, I was always an atheist. Is I moved closer to God, and then I thought, well, I don't need God now, and I moved away. And then I moved closer. And I'd, I'd like to welcome back Bob. Hi, Bob. How are you doing there? You okay? Very good, thanks. Enjoying this conversation. Oh, Thank good. you. Yeah, it's wonderful. So we talked about your faith in a younger age. We talked about the faith in, in this corona crisis moving forward. What was it that really kept you in the church? What was it about the church in action or your faith in action? What were, the, what were those things when you saw actually? Because there must have been, because I'm sort of going through that transitional period at the minute where I'm going from somebody who sits in a pew to somebody who, you know, stands at the front. And what was it that kept you at that point where you were like, okay, actually this church is working because the church is evolving. Right? We know that organized worship is declining. What is it about that, that building, that place, that feeling, that unifying, that fellowship, what you really thought actually there's something in this? I think for me, it's been, it's been seeing the holy in the people. So to, to tell a story, when I came back to, uh, I, I got a job as membership coordinator, part-time job at the church where I grew up. And I remember hearing uh, the minister, she had been the, the director of religious education growing up, and now she was, she was one of the ministers of the congregation. And I just got to see her role in a different way, because before she was just kind of like the, the head teacher, you know, I didn't really know her, she was this really distant figure. And I got to know her, you know, sense of humor, and I'm, I'm, uh, uh, she had a, a very raucous sense of humor, as well as her caring, she would, she would put in um little bits of paper where she'd write down everybody's um uh things about them so they'd remember whose whose brother was named what and all these kind of things just so she knew how to connect with somebody and how to minister to somebody and also just the little things i remember being in my office and hearing her sing now jean she won't she, she passed away but even as she, if she's listening to this from above i think she'll forgive me for saying like myself didn't have the greatest singing voice so she was giving it all she got and i would hear because she was right next to the microphone i would hear her singing so faithfully and for some reason, I would just hear that and think about how long I had known this woman, all my life really, and tears would come from me because I would just think about um, how God works through all of us, you know, and I could see God working yeah. through Jean. And I see that as just once, but I could give you dozens of stories from the congregations where you just see how people are there for each other and how um, yeah. the, the, the wisdom of God is working through the church. So even though churches can be frustrating places and i know that they can be challenging and they're you know can, yeah. can be gossipy they can be all sorts of interesting things <laughs> but um there is the, the handiwork of god amidst them and that's that's what keeps bringing me back is just to see that god and in, in, at work in in the people and such different people i mean you get so many different types of people within a within a single congregation even even a small congregation um that it's just amazing to watch that at work and to see it is just uh mind-blowing so uh, yeah, yeah, that brings me back in time. And time I was again. really lucky. I was really, really lucky. I grew up in a an evangelist church, very, very happy, clappy, very singy, songy. And yeah. the the pastor from that church is retiring actually next week, and there probably won't even be a service for him at the minute. Oh. Uh, he, he's called Ronnie Evans. And if anybody listening to this knows Ronnie Evans, he's a great man. And even from the moment I did my Alpha course, um, he knew God had His hand. I was horrible to him. God forgive me. I, we ran an alpha course. And for anyone who's not familiar with an alpha course, it's kind of this, it's like an introduction to Jesus really, isn't yeah, it? It's, yeah. it's very much about what is the church and where are they going? And 
he would be like, well, the Bible. And I'd be like, well, there's no dinosaurs. And he just persevered with me over a period of seven years until eventually he baptised me. But he knew, like you say, that, that holiness was working and it was always working. It was always there. The spirit of God was was there, you know, and it, it and I thank him for his perseverance. I, I hope he gets to listen to this and it, uh, because he was just so instrumental in setting me on the right path. And then when I think of like the way me and you met, obviously Georgina, my friend had just passed away. Yeah. Gene had introduced me to you and how influential you were. Like you say, the holiness just seeps into everything. There's um, a Bible passage I've really been reading a lot and it's in Romans and it says, if you have... I'm going to make a complete hash of this, but if you have a, a portion of dough that's holy for the sacrifice and you mix it with unholy dough, it's not the, the holy dough that becomes defiled. The whole thing becomes holy. Yeah. You know, and if you, if you have a tree, the vines of the holy tree go into the unholy tree. It doesn't defile the holy. The holy permeates into all things. And I think that's how church should work. Sometimes it doesn't like to say they can sometimes be a bit dysfunctional. Well, but, and every church has the danger of, you know, and I've seen this, you know, of, of, of kind of closing off and saying, well, everybody else is not, we're the, we're the holy people. And that, that's a real danger for the church. But you're right. It's almost the opposite of, and, you know, the early Christian church was, was willing to go out there into the world and be at the yeah. edge of things. And that's where things, where, where the holy really works the best at the edge of things. And it's not about, as you know, as Jesus demonstrated time and time again, it's not about being with the perfect people and being with, uh, you know, yeah. if there is such a thing, being being with the the, the, the totally holy. It's yeah. about being with the rest of us, the, uh, the 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 sinners and the outcasts and the and and when that happens, we right, we see a holiness that is larger than than either than anybody in the room, um, and that's that's the that's where the power is, yeah. I think that's why it says um, confess your sins often to each other. You, know, you think of that confession box mentality, and I'd, I'm not really a fan of that. But I think, you know, I've I've told you things, Bob, and I'm sure you've told me things as well. And it's not it's not necessarily a confession in the true way, but it's a a talking and an openness. And within that becomes that that holiness really really works in there. When you are telling people the things that you do not so well and the things that you've made mistakes you tend to you open up you start to heal and the holiness can really work but from that has to be honesty and i think yeah. honest fellowship and like honest confession and telling each other your flaws allows things to become holy because we've all yeah. church that's not judgy is so important you know and i think that some of the people i in fact all the people i admire the most are are able to be kind of have a sense of humor about themselves yeah. you know that that it's, it's it's not that they are they're trying to be the best people that they can but they're also realizing you know we, we are not jesus you know we're not perfect no. you know and just being willing to to you know i've seen some amazing people that could spend hours you know uh, uh talking about their own laurels and stuff that really are 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 aware of their own flaws and just to be able to have a sense of humor about it, not yeah. to beat ourselves up over overly because we are who we are, but to say, yeah, this is this is who I am and I'm, I'm not perfect and I make mistakes and I need to turn back to to God and turn back to the right path as yeah. I understand it. And um, also, it's not all about me. You know, it's it's um, it's not about me being perfect. And the, that's 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 where community is such a great symbol because yeah. it shows it's not none of us can do it alone and none of us is the 
is the is the perfect human being. That's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be in this together. Um, and we're certainly learning that, as you said, from coronavirus, not to keep yeah. harping on about it. But but we're you know, we're, we're we are we are in this together. And we all bring different gifts to the table. And just as Paul said, you know, some of us using the metaphor of a, of a human body, some may yeah. be the hand or the, foot or the elbow. Yeah. And we're, you know, we all bring our own gifts and, and as well as our own flaws. And if, if we're open to that, then we can really get the most out of our gifts. Because if we think we're, we're, we're just our gifts and we're all that, we're, we're certainly blinded to something important. It makes me think of Gene Clements when we talk like that, because me, me, you and Gene couldn't be any different. And I love Gene to death. And I'm sure oh, you do. Amazing. Yeah, but yeah. If me and Gene were to write ideas about our theology and ideas about the universe and even our ideas about the church, they would be completely different. And yet I know Gene's one of my greatest supporters. She's let me preach at Denton a number of times now. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady. And I know I need Gene. And we know as a church, we need Gene. Um, But she's so different from us. And I embrace that difference. And I think, you know, that's, that's the beauty yeah. of the of the Unitarian approach to church is the fact that you embrace those differences. You embrace the person next to you, um, no matter what his faith is. And I always think that was the Jesus message. The Jesus message was always, this is for everyone. You know, the early Jesus movement, like you say, embraced tax collectors that were no better than common thieves, prostitutes. You know, whoever you were, you were welcome to have table fellowship with Jesus, much to the, uh, the dis- dispute of the Pharisees, but that at a base level, that should be who we are as a church. Surely should be yeah. going out and speaking with everybody. The other interesting and fact, you, go on. Go ahead. I was just going to say that Jesus, you know, was, was a healer, but, but his ultimate message was not physical healing. You know, he, he was, he, he, you know, presumably could have healed everybody, but what he was really about was uh, just telling us that we were holy. We were connected with God just as we were. So, so yeah. it wasn't so much about, you know, it, I mean, it's wonderful if to help people gain their hearing and their sight and their, yeah. you know, if they're, if they're paralyzed, you know, all of that is, 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 is deeply profound. But the ultimate message of Jesus is, is that of metanoia, is that of changing our, our minds and our hearts and turning to God and connecting and all of that. And we do that just as we are. It's not about becoming perfect. It's about um, seeing the grace and exactly who we are. God doesn't perfect us. In my experience, God doesn't perfect us at all. Um, and Jesus doesn't perfect us. But what we do is in really wanting to imitate Jesus for what, he, you know, the fact that he went through such a horrifying death because of how hard people are sometimes, the hardened heart of man, is that yeah. we look at that or we look at the beauty of the world around us and that influences our choices. We choose God. We choose Christ yeah. because we're so amazed by how wonderful the world is. You know, in, oh, I like in, that. Yeah, it's the wonder I, I, yeah, that brings us yeah, to I yeah. think it is, um, the more I've looked at it. And yet the trouble, and I've got a real trouble with doing this, you get caught up in the theology of it. Uh, as somebody who studies theology, you get caught up in the in the meaning of the phrases and the Hebrew. Sure. When you are at the time of coronavirus and you see people, you just want to help them. You don't really yeah. care how things work. You just want to get in there and help them. And in some respect, that again is a good thing that we throw some of that theology out the window and just go, let's just help people. Let's not argue about 
who's right about this passage in the Bible. Let's just get in and do real Jesus work. In yeah, this well, I'm as guilty as anyone of, of getting caught in my own head. And I get reminded of, of what's really important when, you know, when, when I have an opportunity to, pra- to practice compassion that hopefully I take or, or when I see someone else practice compassion, which, I, which happens a lot, fortunately. Um, so it's, it's really getting out there in the, in the world, which is, where, which is where miracles happen, not, not in our heads. Is that where you think the church is heading as sort of organised worship's falling away? Church of England numbers are sort of damning, really, to say, you know, people are attending church less and less. Um, do you think that's where the battle's going to be for the church over the next 20 years? you think it's going to be getting out into communities? Or- I really don't know, Keith. Uh, it's a it's a really good question, and uh, I think I, I think we there is a, there is definitely a spiritual thirst, a spiritual hunger out there. There's no question about mm-hmm. that. Um, and uh, what shape that'll take, I, I don't know. And I think we need to be kind of open to the spirit and flexible. I think it will be happening out in communities. I mean, I'm still I, I still love church buildings, and I think they 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 you know they're they're places of peace and calm, hopefully, and um, amazing places. But it's also, it's not about the building ultimately. It's about um, the, the 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 spirit and and the relationships that we have um, with with each other and with God. Okay, welcome back. So you were saying, Bob, about spiritual growth in the church. I do think there's a real spiritual hunger out there in in the world, and that. Uh, I think that's going to find its way uh, in, into into the world, and I think that the church can can make the most of it. Um, and but when I say make the most of it, I mean be a servant rather than try to master things. Be a, be a servant mm. of that movement, which I do believe comes ultimately from the divine, from the source, and and help to uh, find a way to harness what that what, what that is to, to 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 if we just think about ways of, of of being there for one another and and loving one another as 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 jesus taught us um there will be new ways of doing it and if we focus on the loving one another rather than all the techniques which are key but we start with the the, the loving one another and then yeah. the techniques i think um god's going to find a way to uh to connect with god's people I remember uh, a few months ago, I was working at Manchester City and the, there's a run at the top where you can take all the food. I was chefing there and there was this spine-singlingly good moment of about 70,000 people all singing when the Saints go marching in together in unity. And I believe wow, that's like people watch games like that with so many people wanting to watch a sport is because you have that real sense of sharing and worship and it's ingrained into us. And I believe that's because we're all holy beings is we want to see something holy and magical and marvelous. And we want to turn to the person next to us in fellowship and go, that was amazing. Did you see that? Um, and I do think in this day and age, we have a real danger of, of worshiping the wrong things. People chase Instagram, people chase social media so hard. And I've been there, mate, you know, I've chased loveless relationship after loveless relationship. I've taken off form of narcotic substances. You know, you say about being honest and admitting that you're broken, mate. I've been one yeah. of the most broken people you'll ever find. Um, well, and sometimes it's if you, brokenness that, that fi- finds its way to, 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 to God. You know, and sometimes we because it's not in comfort, is it? You know, comfort's all well and good. And I, I, I like, a, you know, 
uh, a, a nice uh, scotch on the rocks is well, I don't actually like scotch. That's not that example, but I like a nice <laughs> cup of coffee as much as the next person. But um, but uh, you know, it's not about that really. And I think when you were mentioning the holy moment, I remember one of the most holy moments in my life was was one of the also the most collectively miserable. Um, being with the, I, I got the chance to go be with the refugees um, on on the island of Samos, uh, right by the the Turkish border, just as they landed there. Um, in these terrible, you know, the boats that were um, very much overcrowded, you know, all this state it was just awful situation. And first of all, to witness the gratitude that that many of these people felt in the midst of just uh, un- inconceivably atrocious time, just is very very humbling. Um, and then I remember one time we got, we had this incredible windstorm, these 75 mile an hour winds, and it was knocking over all these things. And we were just trying to, we were all at the port where people were sleeping and we were trying to get tents up. We're just trying to kind of get through the night, basically. And we were passing out these little cups, styrofoam cups of soup. It was halal soup that we were passing out to everybody. And uh, everybody, people would help out. You know, a lot of the people who were already cold and miserable and, and refugees were trying to find a way to help pass out all these plastic plastic cups and get everyone a spoon and get all this and in the midst of this incredibly humbling moment when we were all felt so helpless and so vulnerable i remember feeling this is about as close as i'm going to get to the kingdom of god you know i don't know if i put it in those words exactly but i felt this is exactly what it's all about we're just trying to feed one another and we're here in the midst of these these terrible elements and we're just all human together and all the divisions and all the borders have been have been thrown out the window while we just try to get through this night and this, you know, I felt the very real presence of the kingdom of God in that moment. And that's kind of what, you know, what, what it's all about. I think that's, it's poignant because just how Jesus, you know, says about bread and wine is bread and wine is holy because all bread and wine is holy. When you're out sharing food and building relationships and helping people on that very base humanitarian level, God's in the midst of that always, yeah. you know. And God always draws close to the brokenhearted. That's in, in the Psalms. It's in everything. Yeah. God is right. And I think it says something on the line, if you're kicked in the gut, I'm with you. Uh, yeah. That might not be the, the precise way it's written in the Bible, but it, and it's true. What about when for you? you? I mean, what, what was that like when you were when you were at, you know, rock bottom, as they say, I, you know? And f- I, was, I was so broken. I mean... Gosh, I'd lost my long-term relationship. My my wife then had an affair. Um, I'd lost everything, and I I knew that God was really working in my life. And I and I sat and I prayed and I said, God, I'm going to give everything I've got to you. I'm going to give what I've got left to you. And I, I did a homeless shelter, and we saw all these people that had all these broken stories. Some had been in the army and ran away from the problems, but the trouble was when they came back, they were still there. Some had used drugs. Some had but somehow when I was helping all these people, giving them soup, giving them clothes, I was really looking at a reflection of my own brokenness and I could see myself helping them. Mm. But really they were helping me. Does that make any wow. sense? Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's, so yeah. I was in the midst of this brokenness, helping broken people. And God was really using me to help them, but them to help me. And I, and I, from that point forward, I committed everything that I had, Bob, to give to giving it to the holy and the divine and understanding what this thing is that we call God. Yeah. I quit my, I quit my job chefing. I, I was a fairly successful chef. I quit that. I went back to care. I went to Spurgeon's college to study a, a black foundation degree in theology and ministry. Um, 
and that's when you met me I suppose was sort of on the other side of that journey when I'd really discovered who God was and how he was working in my life and that discovery never ends every day God reminds me he's right there with me and my life's just gotten better and better and better the more I've trusted him yeah you know yeah um and amazing what God I'm, uses to bring us bring us closer to God you know the, the homeless shelter the you know the you know and I felt you know there's a there's a closeness to God among you know my friends at the homeless shelter that sometimes those of us who live in comfortable lives struggle to find and i'm not i don't want to romanticize what is an awful situation but also that um we we have that uh uh you know when we're vulnerable it's also it can be a very spiritually rich time because you don't have, if you have ever been out door knocking, I don't know whether you've ever done that, but I've done it. The people with the, with the big Mercedes and a big house and a semi-detached and two kids, they're perfect. Their life's perfect. They're not interested in talking about God because they're like the guy in the plane story I told before. Their plane's fine. They're not yeah. on Rocky Road. Yeah. You go across the way to the terraces you know, to the people who might be struggling a little bit or to the council estate and they want to, they want all the spiritual food they can get. Yeah, they understand. You know, and to a certain extent, I'm not, all- not to say this is theology because I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm open to a wide variety of theology, but there's sort of, I'm fine. And I've got the, 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 the terrace and the Mercedes and the, we all know that's an illusion, right? Cause it's not gonna, it's not gonna last forever, yeah. you know, and that's not what, what life is all about. So, so as I think we all sort of know on a gut level, all of that is all fine and good, but the comfort is is just the illusory part of part of life. Yeah, you know, and the, and the real life is waiting underneath. And we're all going to be there. We're all we're all we're all helpless, you know, at the beginning and end of our lives, um, and many times yeah. in the middle. So we're all going to know that again. Um, uh, not not to be too much of a downer, but just to say that all of those are opportunities to kind of turn to the divine and yeah. and, and and turn to the holy. It's just. It is staggering if you let God into your heart, like, and I'm not, again, I'm not trying to Bible bash anybody that's listening. If you're atheist and your lives sound like, I'm glad for you. I'm glad that, you know, like I said before, I'm glad that people haven't had to go through the things that I've had to go through to get to God. You know, I'm glad that you, Bob, were raised in a Unitarian church in a, in a nice community. I'm glad for that. I really am because I don't want people to have to go through that. I'd much rather people just accept it for what it is. But I think, being raised an atheist was kind of somewhat like being like those people you said were starving when you're handing out halal soup. Like I was so hungry for my spirit to be fed that when I found God and really felt him moving my life, that I was like, wow, yeah. you know, I can, I can feel this moving. I can see this moving and I can see it changing my life. I haven't got a clue how it works, but I'm going to commit everything I've got to studying it. And not only that, I'm going to commit everything I've got to trying to give people a glimpse of that, you know, if I can give somebody peace and joy in the in the heart of any hurricane, whether it be coronavirus or a divorce or anything, I'm going to do my best. Yeah. Because no one deserves. We we we're on this earth once, Bob. We don't deserve to feel broken, lost, and we weren't created to feel broken or no. lost. We were created to be loved. And it's not about seeking we suffering. It's just about that. Glo- it's living a, a wonderful life, a glorious life, a really profoundly yeah. happy life. Uh, and 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 yeah. you know I I don't think that's exclusively you know I think I think comfort as I say is all well and good but it's really the fullness of life that is 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 available yeah. to us and it's often available to us um, at the 
maybe not exactly at the toughest times. You know, when you, the, 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 when you lose somebody, it can be really, really a dark cloud for a long, long time. But in the midst of life's hurly-burly and in the midst of life's suffering, the fullness of life is completely available to us. It's right there, that kind of living, you know, and it doesn't mean that sadness goes away. So it's, it's sadness, it's anger, but it's also an incredible joy and zest and, and vitality yeah. and getting at, you know, that when, once, you know, as you, as you say, once you get a taste of that, you just want more, right? That's what it's about. It's about that fullness yeah. of life. And yeah. As someone, mate, I have used, I mean, I wasn't an habitual user, but I have used drugs. Do you know what I mean? I have done, I've done all kinds of things to try and escape that lifeness, yeah. escape that cycle of depression and, like you say, chasing the next thing, the next motorbike, the next American football game, yeah, the yeah. Next, whatever it is that you're chasing. But when you have that joy, when you have that thing, it's addictive. That, that godlike presence is addictive, but it supersedes any drug yeah. when i've seen people that are addicted to drugs i've gone listen if i could just bottle this up this holy spirit or whatever you want to call it i use christian language because yeah. i was raised as christian but I'm sure many people could could use different language i often wonder when jesus said i'm going to give you eternal life whether he was talking about this feeling that me and you understand some people that are listening to this probably think we've been hit pretty hard on the head or we've got coronavirus <laughs> but i can assure you it's true you know um, yeah, I, I do think that the life eternal is something that flows through us right now, you know, and it's 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 part of the yeah. the, fu- the fullness of life is is right here. And it, it's really hard because it's not about it's not about the words. I mean, and somebody can have completely the correct theology according to whoever judges these yeah. things, but it's 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 about that opening our hearts and really being willing to sort of trust in the moment and trust in what God is, or what it doesn't even need to be the word God, but trust in what is happening. And that's really hard to do, but once you kind of, you have to kind of gently lean into it, I think. And I don't know, because it's hard, you know, like you say, you can't really bottle it and give it to someone else. But I've found for me, and I'm just, I'll am just i just speak personally, because I don't want to be prescriptive on everybody, but if, uh, just finding mm. that connection and always leaning into that connection with the divine, which I've had different names for. You know, I've, I've said, what, what is God? Is it God a spirit? Is God just love? Is but what's really ultimately important is me uh, being present to that connection. And, and when I'm really present, that connection is when I'm present to my neighbor. So it's not just about me living in an ivory tower. Yeah. Um, but if I, if I really lean into that, that's where life really happens. Not in my own head, not in you know, me thinking I'm perfect, not in comfort, but in that sort of genuine connection with, with the fullness of life, with the spirit, with God as as really experienced you know and that that it takes courage to go to to go to that because that's not an easy place to be always because it's it's can be scary you know because it's it's we it's not we're not in control it's not about us um but i think as you say there's great there's great there's something wonderful there i was riding my motorbike on the motorway um in the winter and it was raining and it was dark and my visor was fogged up and i couldn't see and I approached a bend too fast. The road lent in a bit too quick. And I was going at a fair speed, probably a little bit quicker than I should have been going. And that's what faith looks like. Oh, you can't really yeah. see. The road's a little bit twistier than you expected it to be. You don't really know where you're going, but you trust that you're going the right way. You trust on your instincts and your feelings and everything you've got. You just go, okay, I'm going to be all right, and I'm going to make my way through this. Now, what, whatever storm you're facing in life, be it that coronavirus, be that sickness be it you have to trust you yeah. know 
the God that Jesus invites us to love and to be with and to let into our lives is as merciful and as loving as he says he is, which I believe he is, you've got to trust him. God never fails and he never runs out of second chances, in my opinion anyway. I mean, there'll be a lot of people out there that'll be angry with God because of things that have happened. And I get that. You know, why did I have to lose my health? I don't know those answers. Totally. And I and I think but what choice do we have? You know, the other choice beyond trusting is just not to live in the fullness of life. Yeah, and you, we know when we're, it may be yeah. different for each of us, but we know when we're not really leaning into that curve on the motorcycle. Um, and we know when we're just kind of mailing it in. And that's not, that's no kind of life, isn't it? So even though, you know, trusting in God, you know, some things are going to go wrong, at least from the outside in life. You know, things are going to, we're all going to get, you know, we're going to have bumps on the road. But, you know, yeah. tr- trust it isn't about saying everything's going to be hunky-dory every step of the way. It's about I'm going to trust in the fullness of life. I'm going to trust um, that there's something beautiful and glorious in this life as it is. And I, I very much believe that that is the case wherever we are, whoever we are um, in this life, in this life of ours and in our shared life as well. There's one other there's one other order of uh, service here. You talk about trusting and leaning into the fullness of life. Your life's changing slightly in the near future from what you've told me. You've got new plans and new ideas. And yeah. The whole is moving in a new way for you. Do you want to talk about oh, that a little bit? Uh, sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> Threw your curveball there, didn't I? <laughs> didn't well, you know, I, I, well, I don't know. It's funny. When you, when you ask it, I kind of think, oh, I don't know. Do I want to? But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm closing a chapter in this life. And after five years of, of this ministry at the end of July, um, uh, m- moving on, and I'm, I'm not going to – immediately go into another congregational ministry though as i said i've I've deeply loved congregational ministry and i probably will still you know find connections to congregations but i want to try and see kind of what you're doing keith to be honest to kind of find ministry out in the world and find ways to do that and and i could tell you various vague plans that i have and various thoughts but the truth is it's very much like you say i'm just on that motorbike um i I should tell my my mom that i'm not actually on a motorbike because she's she said she (laughs) <laughs> I never want to see me on one, but um, but I am um leaning into and seeing what the what the next life uh state step of life brings. Of course, this was all before coronavirus happened that this decision was made. So now, my my focus is really on the next couple of months, um, a few months. I mean, who knows how long it is, but us being together, uh, both congregationally and beyond, you know, in commun- in terms of communities. So that's really where my heart is, as opposed to my own journey, which will, I I, I have enough trust that that's gonna take care of itself and i, I i'm not I'm, I, I don't have a lot of fear in that area really to be honest with you but i am more focused on what's happening uh now and just just that we can we can pull together when we when we need it most and uh on what's really important yeah. the the thing is with life and it always unexpected things always happen you know that's that's part of life isn't it but it, it's good when these things come along but that poke you and prod you and move you in a different direction. I call that the Holy Spirit. I'd say that's the Holy Spirit working in you, telling you that now's the time for something else to come along. Um, and that's a great thing. Like, how blessed are we to have that in Absolutely. our lives? I feel like really wonderful that, that we have that to guide us. Yeah, um, that I love can... that. I mean, I'm, I'm by no means a scholar of world religions, but I, as, a, as an outsider, I love that the, the Hindu, the threefold kind of view of God is God the creator, God the sustainer, and God the, God the ender. And we always think of God that you're know, sort of the Vishnu, the God that the destroyer, the enders. Why would somebody worship that? Why would we worship endings? 
But the truth is, if everything was always the same, you know, well, it would be unrecognizable for one thing. It wouldn't be life. And there is these changes, you know, and if we can start to trust that life yeah. is going to bring changes and, and that is uncomfortable because it is going to be, you know, especially if you don't see it coming, which, which most of the time we don't, you know, that's going to be really, really hard. But it's, it is part of the beauty of life as well. And I know we, we, you don't, we don't have to say that for the, for the awful changes because maybe we can't be at a place where we, we want to say that. But the fact is life is just not always the same. And, and part, of, part of God's glory is the fact that um, tomorrow is going to be different than today and probably and, o- and always in ways that we don't expect. So that there's, we, we have to accept that reality. And I think it's a beautiful reality at the same time. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end, Bob. I think I thank you very oh, thank much you, for your time, for your insight. Um, you're an absolute you blessing. I'll tidy this audio up and we'll get it published and I'll speak to you later on. As soon as I've got it, before I publish it, I'll send you the audio over and we can, Excellent. We can have a Excellent. little... Well, God bless you and, and blessings to everybody out on the, on the airwaves. You. And uh, thank, thank you for listening. Yeah. <laughs> All, right. All right. God bless thank you, brother. Thank you. Bye-bye-bye.